You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Derek Jeter! This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Thursday edition trade deadline buzzing of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner alongside Thomas Carinante. The Yankees get swept in the Subway Series and change the vibes 13 seconds later by making their first big move of the summer. Training for Kansas City Royals outfielder Andrew Benintendi. Ha ha, he's not vaccinated. No, he's getting vaccinated to play with the Yankees. Nice try though. Ha ha, he doesn't hit for power. No, he actually has a 390 OBP and is in the top 15, marking the fourth Yankee to be in that top 15. Haha, he hits 324, but it's empty, and, and that doesn't mean much. What planet are you from? 324 is, is really good. Uh, Andrew Benintendi is not Juan Soto. He is not a megastar power threat 40-40 guy. He's not Barry Bonds in his prime. He is meant to take over for Joey Gallo, and he has a way over 120 OPS plus, well above league average hitter, gold glove defender, and most importantly, not the end of the road for the Yankees. And yes, I do have Benny background today. Uh, I own all rights to this image. This is a Getty image, so don't come after me. Uh, we'll talk all about the fit. And luckily, the man is on the way to the Bronx with the Kansas City Royals for a four-game set that starts today. Weird plane ride, helpful plane ride. Can't hate it. Also, uh, yeah, the Yankees did play the last couple of days. They actually put a two-game subway series, sent Jordan Montgomery and Domingo Herman to the mound, took an early lead in the first game. The series was pleasurable for a grand total of like 16 minutes. Monty gave it right back. Domingo Herman took the mound the next day and was actually pretty okay, which was the worst thing he could have been, considering it would have been great if he was just awful and DFA'd. Instead, he was decent. This team will never cut bait with decent. Fantastic. And the Yankees also tied the game late, but you're not going to believe this. Lost on a bullpen meltdown. They never had control of that game, and they lost anyway. yippee Kaye, terrible series. Do the Mets run New York? Not until they pass us in the standings. Not until they win a World Series. But we are going to be talking about all of that. Plus, Giancarlo Stanton's injury. What's real? What was transparently not communicated to us? And when can we ever expect the Yankees to be transparent again? I don't foresee that in the near future and any more trade candidates on the horizon. Jack Curry indicated this is very much not the end 
which, hey, we love it. Uh, so let's try to predict what comes next. Shall we make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review. Drop us a mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer it. And it's really mailbag question season because here's Andrew Benintendi coming in hot. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Let's obviously, can we start with Benny? Can we just have a little fun first? Yeah, 100%. Um, timing of this, great. Uh, came right after the series sweep, um, which we don't care about. Uh, simply just don't care about it. A um, couple baseball games, not great, is what it is. Yankees are banged up, got to get through it. But no better way to get through it than a little injection of life here. Um, Andrew Benintendi coming to town. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but Joey Gallo got one at bat in this two-game series against the Mets. Big one. Um very evident that manager Aaron Boone or the Yankees in general just did not want to showcase Gallo in a series where he was going to get laughed at because City Field was packed every night and Mets fans were very, very excited um, for this series. Um, cheering after every single out, every single strikeout was a roar from the crowd. Fans of City Field showed up. Um, and then you have the nationally televised game on ESPN uh, Wednesday night. So, I'd venture to say that uh, that was a big sign in terms of what's to come for Joey Gallo. Um, ben Intendi's acquisition. Now we can get into the, the potential ripple effects here, but spells again for Gallo. Don't know where Gallo is going. Don't know how, how that's going to transpire, but um, Ben Intendi offering us some good left field defense, which we haven't really had, I think at all over the last couple of years been okay but now he won a gold glove last year this year was a first time all-star that's awesome like we also talked about hits for contact um i know some of you folks don't enjoy that um we're yelling about isaiah connor falefa not hitting home runs this year for whatever reason when he's batting 278 um which is all we need to differentiate in the lineup um and kind of throw pitchers off hit double off scherzer last night kind of just what you need aggression in the batter's box andrew benintendi is exactly that also gets on base has postseason pedigree, has a ton of AL East experience. Um, though, caveat there, numbers against the Jays and the Rays are not great. Um, and he's never faced the Red Sox. Crushes the Orioles, kicks our ass. But he, hey, addition by subtraction, he won't be facing us anymore. Um, I like the move. We've been talking about this for months now. It was a fairly obvious fit. Um, got him for prospects. Uh, depending on where you looked, MLB.com had 19-21 and then uh, Chandler Champlain was not ranked in the top 30. And then Baseball America had, I think, 15, 17, and 30 as uh, for the three. I think it's 13, 23, and 29 for the updated BA. Okay. Um, I mean, these are, yeah, these are three solid pitching prospects. Um, TJ Sikama, who is probably the headliner in this deal, was the number one guy I expected to be traded. And yeah, I was correct um victory lap for your boy um but he's not only is he coming up on the rule five draft uh he's someone the Yankees would have had to protect this fall or else they would have lost him for nothing but he is a top draft pick you know a comp pick the the comp pick they got for Sonny Gray they used on him he was basically injured from the time he was drafted to now he didn't play in 2020 nobody did but he barely played in 2021 uh he's just someone who has like 45 pro innings on their resume and most of them have been very good. He's a pretty nasty lefty. He's got loopy breaking stuff with good shape. Solid fastball. Was doing really well at high A Hudson Valley this year. But there was a literal less than zero chance the Yankees were protecting somebody like him 
with under 50 career pro innings. Like the 40 man spots are so precious this year. There was no chance. And there was a decent chance that somebody was going to take a shot at him as a reliever. So he was an obvious trade ship to use him for Benintendi as the apparent centerpiece. Uh, he and Beck way are, are basically, you know, whichever one you prefer, they're both like top 20 ish arms way was a, you know, fourth round pick who surprised a lot of people, similar, good stuff, electric, couple good outings in Hudson Valley, couple erratic outings in Hudson Valley for those two guys to be the centerpiece of a Benintendi deal. That's huge because those are two guys, uh, you know, way wasn't coming up against the uh, 40 man crunch Sycamore was, but, you know, I kind of, I knew he'd be traded. I thought he might be the third piece in a bigger deal or the fourth piece in like a crazy Luis Castillo trade for him to be the centerpiece of Benintendi is great. Uh, Cause yeah. he had to go and, and the Yankees didn't have to give up much that they're really going to regret. How much better did they make their team? The jury's obviously still out on that. Uh, but Benintendi is the kind of guy who helps this team immensely in many ways. Uh, and as, as a one-for-one replacement for Joey Gallo, it is like acquiring the exact opposite of Joey Gallo, like a short guy who hates Italians. Like, it's basically just <laughs> as opposite of Joey Gallo as that. Like, it, you can't construct a, an anti-Joey Gallo in a lab more than Andrew Benatendi. He stopped selling out for power. He stopped rolling over balls to the right side like he was doing in Boston. He has three homers this year, but that hasn't stopped him. From hitting 320, putting up 2.4 war, putting up a 123 OPS plus, there is a chance he's not this good moving forward. As anybody who's watched the 2022 Yankees knows, you're never as good as you were at your very best. In July, he's hitting 375 with a 451 OBP. If that continues for the next month, he'll be one of the best acquisitions in Yankee history. If that doesn't continue, he'll be a solid player with excellent contact skills who puts bat on ball who I think most importantly elevates the depth options. Yeah. You lose Aaron Hicks. Now you're not treading water with Tim LaCastro and praying for an Estevan Florial or Miguel and Duhar call up. You lose a different, you know, you lose a big piece in the outfield and you have Andrew Benintendi whose reps can increase. Hicks is healthy. Let's you know, we're, you lo- we just lost John Carlos Stanton. We're about to talk about it. You no longer have to dive deep and start LeCastro and start Gallo and start Marwin Gonzalez in the outfield. You're adding a big, important, impressive outfield name. Your first pitch hitter off the bench doesn't have to be Joey Gallo anymore. And uncomfortably so, you know, we started this podcast, the roster move hadn't been official. Now, Benintendi is wearing number 18. He's on the major league roster, and they did burn a LeCastro option, which is kind of a bummer because you were hoping that he and Gallo wouldn't have to share a locker room together considering he's the obvious replacement for Joey Gallo. Looks like Gallo is going to stick around a few more days. We got a report that was pretty weird this morning that the Yankees were, uh, you know, looking the Padres and Rangers were both looking at Gallo, but the Yankees weren't satisfied with the returns yet. And both those teams are also still in the Juan Soto market. So this could take a while. Juan Soto's acquisition should have nothing to do with the Yankees dumping Joey Gallo. This is a sunk cost. Expectations are still high throughout the league for Joey Gallo. Uh, uh, you know, among league decision makers, I don't know, among ridiculous denizens of the internet, they still believe Joey Gallo is Rangers Joey Gallo. And there's a chance that whatever team acquires him is getting Rangers Joey Gallo. I am well aware of that. I've seen it in the past. And I know that what we've seen in New York is not his true level of talent. I also know that he was never, ever, 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 ever getting back to that true level of talent in New York. Fool me. 
for a full season, shame on me. Fool me for two full seasons, shame on you. Uh, he hit 161 last year with an OBP in the 320s, and it went down to 160 this year with an OBP in the 280s. He's exact. He's been a 160 hitter for a full year in New York, and yet we still have to deal with people like CBS's Chris Towers saying, I'd rather have Gallo over Benintendi in a vacuum. I know you would. You made it clear you love Gallo. Everybody loves everybody loves the Gallo that hasn't existed for a full year and might yeah. exist again, not in New York. So the Yankees had to make this upgrade. They have to get Gallo out of New York by any means necessary. And I wish him well wherever he goes, but he's not finding it here. And we have 162 games of data that he's not finding it here. He's not an unplayable... Texas Joey Gallo is not unplayable. New York Joey Gallo is unplayable. And now the Yankees have Andrew Benintendi, an all-star in his place to knock everybody else down a peg. It's huge. And it's also not the end. No. And yeah, what you wanted an imaginary, ver- not an imaginary, but just a version of Joey Gallo that doesn't exist. And yeah, that'd be sick. That's what we traded for. That's 40 what- homers this year with a 210 average would have been incredible. Sign me up. Yeah. No. Uh, not simply not happening. Um, I look, Wish Gallo the best wherever he goes, but if you want Joey Gallo over Andrew Benintendi um, at this juncture, you are living in hypotheticals. Um, you know, I would rather have Sonny Gray than Jamison Tyone, but that version of Sonny Gray didn't show up to New York, and Jamison Tyone's been solid. So, yeah, comparing comparing the two at their highest points and and their potential ceilings not in this setting is not really applicable. Um, you got to win now. You got to figure out solutions now. Benintendi is a guy who's played on a big stage before in Boston. Don't forget, folks, His ex- he was expedited to Major League Baseball. He was drafted in 2015. He debuted the year after, I think. Um, yeah. And then he was in the World Series two years later. Uh, so this is a guy who who understands the pressure, understands the spotlight, has succeeded in the spotlight, you will continue to see the highlights of him making that diving catch on um, Austin, uh, Alex Bregman, Austin Bregman, Hmm. Uh, Alex Bregman in the ALCS in 2018, the base is loaded two outs um, and uh, the Astros down by two um, in Houston Uh, guy has gotten plenty of hits in the postseason, just knows what to do. This is a guy you want. This is great. Another thing that I kind of wanted to look at here just very quickly Ken Rosenthal reported that the Dodgers and the Brewers were also in on Benintendi. That makes me wonder. Yeah. Brewers farm system is shit. So I'm not really thinking much into it. Not many teams are going to do business with them unless it's, you know, like I think Andrew Benintendi was like a reach for them in terms of what they could pay because they're not going to overpay for someone like Benintendi and a team is not going to look at the lower levels of their farm system and be intrigued by much. Um, But the Dodgers. So, how serious might have the Dodgers' interest been here? So maybe they were serious. There, there are, are a couple options. Maybe the Dodgers were serious and the Royals, for some reason, liked the Yankees' package more. Um, maybe the Yankees outbid the Dodgers a little bit more than the Dodgers were comfortable paying for a two-month rental. Or maybe the Dodgers were in on here to drive the price up a little bit on the Yankees before the Dodgers are going to do whatever the Dodgers are going to do. Because we know they make impactful moves. Um, and they know they're away. We, we know that every rumor that they are involved in is strategic, very much like the Yankees and how they do business. Um, so I am wondering, 
are some rival execs viewing the Yankee system deeper than the Dodgers? Is that possible to even consider? Um, is that crazy to think? You got Baseball America, I believe, had Dodgers in the top five for farm systems. There were five or four. Yankees were like 13th or 14th, right in the middle of the pack. Uh, MLB.com, very similar. So there seems to be a consensus there. But the rankings are the rankings. You know, mm-hmm. players have had now two months to kind of perform. Um, I know everything's kind of updated, but I haven't seen anything super updated in recent weeks. Makes you think if the Yankees were able to surrender that little for an all-star rental, which is usually much higher priced at this point. I know the vaccination situation with Andrew Benintendi allegedly possibly had the price go down a little bit. Um, But we talked last year, the Gallo trade was the Yankees benefiting from a position of depth. They had a lot of organizational depth in the minor leagues. um, And whether these guys are 40 man cuts or whether they're just young guys who are a tier or two below the Yankees top tier of prospects who are blocked or even the top tier of Yankees prospects who might be blocked by major league guys. What's the consensus here? Does that mean the Yankees have the bandwidth to just throw the kitchen sink at the reds for Luis Castillo is Juan Soto even an option at this point? Um, Are you going to be a nut job and acquire Juan Soto and then use Benintendi as a bench option? I don't think so. Um, that would be a super team beyond comprehension. Um, so I don't know where, I don't know where or what you do here. Maybe Aaron Hicks is jettisoned in this scenario or Juan Soto goes to right judge goes to center. Uh, Ben and in left. Um, again, don't think it's happening, but the, the Juan Soto buzz surrounding the Yankees hasn't relented, you know, over the past, how long has it been? 15 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't heard anything new, but Something to think about. Do the are the Yankees willing to take more risk at the deadline than the Dodgers this year? Do rival executives think that the Yankees have more intriguing pieces in their farm system when it comes to making these deals? I think we're looking at a tough arms race here um, because the Yankees and Dodgers are in pretty much on every similar thing. They've been both rumored on Benintendi. They're both rumored on Soto. They're both rumored on Castillo. They also both need maybe another starter on top of Castillo, definitely if they don't get Castillo, and they both need at least one or two bullpen arms. So I think this is going to get a little interesting. The Yankees have a lot of pitching, and that was true last year, and that was true the year before. But even if you're low on their upside as a system, they are overflowing with pitching. Even at AAA, they're running out of room for guys. Yeah. Like, they, they called up Ken Waldachuk, who might be a, – a lot of the rumors say he's part of a Castillo package, and so is Peraza, so it might not be long for this system. And that's a rapid rise. And, and you know, as, as much as I want Ken Waldachuk to help the New York Yankees at the big league level, Luis Castillo does it more immediately. And, and the, help, you also help the Yankees by being the center of a Luis Castillo trade package. So no shame in that. Um, but when they called him up to AAA, it was a lot of like, where's he going to go? They've got Wesneski. They've got Sears. They've got Crook. They've got Luis Heal at the time. They got Davey Garcia at the time. Like, you want to call him up to AAA? Who, where's he going to go? There's no room in the rotation. Why is Luis Medina at double A? There's nowhere for him to go. Why is Will Warren at double A? Nowhere for him to go. Like people are getting, people are running into log jams, pitching log jams. They're going to find all sorts of opportunities in Kansas city, in Cincinnati, where if that's a destination for some Yankee prospects, I think Luis Castillo is very obviously their plan B. Jack Curry said yesterday at plan B, meaning, you know, second part of the plan, not a pivot. 
But Jack Curry said your number two starter is not on this roster right now. That's huge. Which number two starters are available right now? Luis Castillo and Frankie Montas, or a crazy third pivot that no one is considering. Tyler right Haley is not a number two starter. Uh, Merrill Kelly is not a number two starter. Jose Quintana is not a number two starter. If that's what you're saying, you're either saying the Yankees plan to start someone not talented enough in the second game of a playoff series, or you're saying that they're trying to make a, a large scale move for a number two. The information we're seeing today is that Castillo is maybe, you know, the reds are vacillating on his availability. They might take it all the way up to the Tuesday deadline. I don't believe that for one second. I do believe they might not trade him until Tuesday. That would not surprise me, but he's got to be available another year and a half. What are you going to do next year? You're going to try to trade Castillo with less control over the winter in the middle of next summer. Now is the time. They know that. The Yankees know that. That seems to be what they want to do. Uh, he's been fantastic lately. He's been fantastic for a calendar year. He looks like a small guy, actually relatively large, is, you know, if, if you've got durability concerns. Because I was always like, he's frail. He's not. He's like six foot something. My gauge on him is totally off. I think change-up guys, I'm like, you're Pedro Martinez's size, but he's not. He's bigger than that. Um, and he should be the next big name the Yankees chases the deadline approaches. A lot of people are saying, uh, you know, we can pivot a little bit to talk about the games that we just watched a little bit. Uh, I think yeah. people are uh, in the middle ground here somewhat unnecessarily um, in terms of uh, everybody's wrong. I love saying everybody's wrong. Everybody's yes. wrong. Uh, the people downplaying the Yankees struggles are a little bit wrong. You know, people saying Sweeney Murdy was giving fans what they wanted to hear yesterday saying, you know, this isn't a free fall. This is just normalizing. They've been a 500 team for a little over a month now. It's true. They are 17 and 17 since they got off to a 49 and 16 start. That is acceptable. That is treading water. That is 500 baseball. But they're also 5 and 10 in their last 15, spanning a two-game doubleheader sweep in Houston, a two-game Subway Series sweep, three really, really devastating losses to the Red Sox. Yes, there were some beatdown wins in there too, but – Awful losses to the Red Sox, uh, awful losses to the Cincinnati Reds, and that's discounting that they lost Michael King and Giancarlo Stanton for the full season for King. Stanton had tendonitis. We don't know when he's coming back, and and how many times has Stanton had leg problems that have lingered? Stanton got knocked out of the 2019 season with leg problems. I Do I think Stanton's coming back? Yes. But am I positive? No. How could I possibly be? And so now they're – Without their second or most crucial bullpen piece, depending on how you view it, they're without their second best hitter. Aaron Judge got attacked by Max Scherzer playoff sliders yesterday and looked terrible. Had his worst game of the season without Stanton protecting him in probably the most consequential game of the season at that point. For him, in terms of high leverage opportunities, he was up with guys on base every inning and struck out on the same pitch over and over again. That will make fans react negatively. It just will. And 17 and 17 in a month, sure. Five and 10 with a lot of really memorable losses and close losses. It's luck evening out in the wrong direction. Yes, but it's also concerning and they're missing key pieces. So to just say, this isn't a free fall, this is normalizing. Like the Yankees will play better at some point. But it's also fair to say, hey, all those black holes that were black holes when we were succeeding, like Donaldson and Gallo and Higashioka, look way worse when we're five and 10. So like, yeah, expand it to 17 and 17, expand it even further. And we're 66 and 33. But recently pre and post all-star break, 
were five and ten, and the two two of those five wins were dominance against the Red Sox. You take those out, we've you know three and ten, and most of the games look pretty ugly. So yeah. this is the time of the year when things need to turn around, and that's what the Subway Series indicated. It indicated uh, these were two games the Yankees were unlikely to win based on pitching matchups, based on circumstances, based on injuries, and they didn't win either of them. You want to take one. You had a chance to take one or both. You took neither, and that's the way things have been going for over two weeks or over a month now. And it's not time to, you know, season's not over. Don't, you know, burn down your house and stop watching Yankee games. They, they, they have a cushion, and they can use that cushion. But we're certainly in the part of the season where you enter matchups like this and expect to lose and then lose. And that's not a fun place to be. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're certainly in the part of the season where you enter matchups like this and expect to lose and then lose. And that's not a fun place to be. No, I mean, and to put it in context, here is where the frustration lies. There's no generally complaining with a 66 and 33 team. They still have the most wins in baseball. However, losses happen. Bad streaks happen. Right now, they're in the midst of a bad streak. Uh, Hitting-wise, pitching's a little bit hot and cold. Um, they go 0 for 15 with the runners in scoring position against the Mets, which are two very highly watched games. Um, even the first one, which was local second one was on ESPN. You have the season series against the Astros, um, spanning seven games. They go two and four, um, worst batting average against any team since 1950, uh, something, uh, 151 they batted for that series. So there is a little bit of a truth to yes. Peaks and troughs. The M- the MLB season is it's 162 games. You're going to have two shit weeks. 
here and there. It's going to be ugly. It's not going to be fun to watch. However, the Yankees' two shit weeks always fall at the worst times. And it's not really... Last year was a different story. The shitness just kept going all year and never really stopped. This year, we've been blessed to have a 41-10 and 10 stretch of 51 games. Absolutely incredible. Didn't have to say a word for 51 games, almost two months. But then you have these series and these instances baked in between with the Red Sox giving us that little bit of trouble and kind of the, you know, the loss is embarrassing again on national TV. Um, you have, even though you beat the Astros in a season series last year, you're the big boys now in the AL based uh, record wise and all statistical category wise. And then you get punked by the Astros and your only two wins. You never even led in the game. They were walk-offs. Um, and then you go to the Mets I view this series as nothing. Famously, we could say it on this podcast again, the Subway Series is nothing. It is a mere spectacle. It is a show for Major League Baseball. It's like the Angels and the Dodgers facing off. The Freeway Series, oh man, what's this going to do? Absolutely jack shit. The wins and the losses don't matter unless it's in September and it's dictating a division race, which this is not. Um, nor does it affect playoff seating unless this unless last year, I guess it did because the Yankees got screwed by one game, but they also had 17 other catastrophic losses that would have had anybody else ripping their hair out of their head out of their head. So, but then you have this series and Mets fans are amped for it. I know the joke stands and the joke, you know, Mets fans are still going to allow the joke to persist that this is their world series. Cause the amount of shit talking that occurs before and after these things is unbelievable. Yankees fans could most Yankees fans that I know and associate with could not care less about this. Maybe I'm in my own little box associating with people and fortifying my own beliefs that this is a whole lot of nothing and I'm not in tune with reality, but that's my reality. Nobody cares about the Subway Series in terms of a shit-talking big brother type thing. Um, but you have Sal Licata of SNY saying, now the tides have turned. The Mets are the big brother now. They hired the real manager in the offseason. They paid the extra money for Max Scherzer. Mm. That makes them better. Um yeah, sure. Okay, cool. You won two games. Um, the Yankees still have more wins than you. They have the best, they have the most wins in the entire sport and they've won a world series more recently. So I don't know how the tides are going to turn unless there is something so momentous in the Mets direction. And otherwise it doesn't matter because the tides don't matter. The Yankees running New York and the Mets running New York. It doesn't really matter. It's baseball. It's a city. We're enjoying the sport. Um, bragging rights for the Mets. It seems like the fans just want it more because they haven't had it in a while. Um, but you know, the last year, the last year for you has been good. There's been a lot of good positive talk around you. I don't know why you're going to poke the bear and claim that now you have taken over the city because you won two games. Um, I know it was terrible, terrible optics for the Yankees, um, to perform in the manner in which they did the last two nights team didn't score after the second inning. Um, on night one, which was a very winnable game. Uh, Anthony Rizzo swinging on 3-0 is the last thing that you have in your mind, being like, well, that was the last time to score. They had other opportunities, but that was the big one. Then last night, Judge comes up three times with runners on, strikes out, looking absolutely foolish every time. DJ LeMay, who hits a 108-line drive with a 730 expected batting average, gets snagged at shortstop. That would have scored a run. Um, there were four other balls hit 100 mi 102 miles or more right at defenders. Bad luck. What are you going to do? Yeah. Yankees Despite, rock Scherzer. Yankees rock yeah, Scherzer. Rock Scherzer weird. got hit. 
Scherzer was getting hit. The bullpen they finally turned the bullpen over. Glaber gets into one. You're looking at a tie game. We had some bullpen management questions there, but guess what? Michael King's out. That's really affected the complexion of this bullpen and what they could do. If they, if that if this scenario was not the scenario, Michael King comes in in the eighth probably, or Clay Holmes still comes in in the eighth, and Michael King goes 9-10 if we need to do that. Um, so the blueprint was there. The blueprint was taken from us uh, five days ago. So working through things. One thing I will say, though, not the role for Wandy Peralta. Aaron Boone's got to figure something out. Wandy Peralta's been giving up walk-offs all year. He is not a pitcher to come in in those kind of situations. Needs to be deployed earlier in the game. We'll talk about that another time. But point here is, for some reason, for some odd reason, the Yankees' worst performances and their worst versions of themselves come out when everybody is watching or when the stakes are exponentially higher. Playoffs, we've seen it time and time again. Nationally televised games, we've seen it time and time again. Subway series, last three years, honestly, we've seen it time and time again. So that's why the aggravations continue to mount because this is supposed to be easier for the Yankees, the spotlight. They're constantly in the spotlight. They they live in the spotlight, the New York Yankees. So when they're falling, when they're face planning in these higher leverage games and these lar- the, these games that garner larger audiences – it makes you wonder, like, why is this happening? Why are the bad streaks happening when we actually should have this advantage? And the overreactions are going to pour in. It's it's natural. Um, when Aaron J- Judge swings over sliders three separate times and looks a little bit like playoff Aaron Judge, when Aaron Judge constantly fails against the Red Sox, which is what Aaron Judge does, and Giancarlo stands out, which we should probably transition to here, mm-hmm. shows his importance to the lineup because I'm not saying Aaron Judge is unable to carry his own weight, but – Maybe he's got to get used to not having that protection because that's serious protection, and we saw that full force last night. Ah, these Mets series. Uh, I mean, uh, the Sal Licata stuff. Crazy. Just before we leave. Like, there's no argument at the moment that the Mets run New York. And all uh, you guys don't care who runs New York. Just definitive period at the end of the sentence knowing i lose no sleep over i wake up in the middle of the night and I go oh my god do i run new york oh i think i do oh gosh i hope i run new york i've never thought about that but second of all wait till you pass the yankees in the standings and then if you do that wait till you win a world series it's that simple nice series mm-hmm. good job by the mets can the mets celebrate doy you yeah. walked off the Yankees. We walked awesome. you off. We'd be pumped. We still show the Luis Castillo drop pop-up clip. I love beating the Mets. I don't really care about the Mets. I love beating everyone. I celebrate walking off the A's. If if I had just swept the Mets at home, I would be excited about that. And you should be too. Max Scherzer was a great move. Buck Showalter, we'll see, Right? Two weeks ago, the Mets were the team that blew a 10-game lead to the Braves and were struggling in Atlanta to hold off that team from passing them in the NLE standings. Now they're three games up on Atlanta. The Mets were in an offensive drought until a couple of days ago. And by the way, scored two runs against Domingo Herman. Good job by the Mets taking both of these games. But up until the last couple of weeks... The narrative was that the Mets turned an incredible start into a worrisome semi-spiral. And now after two games against the Yankees, 
pre-deadline with a roster that's going to look completely different in a week and still mm-hmm. behind the Yankees in the standings. I now have to deal with people saying the Mets run New York. We will see. But I also won't give running New York a second thought. You can tell me you run it if you want to. I really don't care. Um, but I, I swore I was going to go into this series going again. These are two. If you don't win the first one with Jordan Montgomery, if he doesn't step up, then you're going to get swept because Domingo Herman is not a capable major league starter. And Max Scherzer is an ace. And Jordan Montgomery was awful in the first inning. The Yankees had plenty of chances to get back into that one, but they basically lost their best chance when Montgomery blew up in the bottom of the first. He holds that two nothing lead. Yankees had a run. We don't know what happens in that game, but when he implodes, that game goes back to a coin flip and the Yankees lost a coin flip. And then the Yankees lost to Max Scherzer with a seven starter on the mound. Celebrate, but don't draw any conclusions and don't draw any conclusions until the post deadline roster is in place in large part because Giancarlo Stanton has now joined the injured list yet again. Everybody knew he was dealing with something leg issues. He was saying he intended to play. He was going to start in the outfield in the first game of the subway series, but instead apparently asked the team for extra tests that morning. And then they test determined he had tendonitis. Boone saying a two to three week injury, but Boone and company are also the people who said he was just going to sleep it off. So who knows? Andrew Benintendi, a pretty big acquisition, even if Giancarlo Stanton was healthy and Giancarlo Stanton is not healthy. So give it to us again. Huge, obviously huge. Why did Giancarlo Stanton pinch hit against the Baltimore Orioles if he was nursing something this painful after the team had already taken precautions to give him a backdated IL stint? Because they did. They rested him in Houston. They rested him on that Saturday against the O's before shoving him into action late in the game. I don't understand, you know, I understand it slightly more now that I know it's a two to three week injury and potentially not something he could have come back from in 10 days, but resetting that rehab clock just for him to step up to the plate and in clearly immobile fashion whiff, he couldn't move. He basically just took strikes and left the box. I don't know why we use him for intimidation purposes and reset his IL clock, but another instance of... The Yankees not being forthcoming with disgusting injury issues. Stanton himself laughing it off, saying, you know, I don't feel I'm dealing with some stuff. They got a good plan in place. He'll play tonight. No, he won't. They're weighing an IL stint. And, well, looky here, they decided on an IL stint. I feel like our boy, uh, the Joey Gallo dad. Oh, shocker. Giancarlo Stanton actually weighed the stint. And took the stint, but he's going to be gone for, for a while now. And the Yankees added an all-star in his place. That's huge. But uh, for all the people wanting to say, oh, man, this feels so 2021-y. Better team than 2021. Frustrating play happens in every season. But, but the Yankees being, you know, unhelpful when it comes to injury diagnoses is pretty 2021-y. Yeah. And that was my number one concern here because you have Luis Severino who goes out with an injury. um, And I don't know whose fault that was. Seems like it was Severino's um, not telling the team he didn't feel good that morning, um, which I'm sure would have been the easiest out for the medical staff to be like, great, not pitching today, buddy. We'll figure it out. Get you right. Because any injury troubles with you, we've seen over the last four years has been an absolute disaster. So whether that was Severino's fault or whether that was the Yankees' fault, it's somebody's fault. And then you have the Stanton situation where 
he didn't really get, you know, what we were talking about judge and Boone was resting judge talking about, Oh yeah, he needs a mini break. So judge got those games off the week before to get his quote, all-star break in. Mm-hmm. And Stanton didn't really have that um, as, as much as judge did. I know Stanton has played fewer games this year because he was on the IL earlier in the year. Um, but Stanton's just as Stanton's probably more injury prone than judges. If you want to talk about like, you know, missing time with little injury, like muscle injuries, judge has broken a wrist or hand punctured a lung and then dealt with a hamstring issue or a calf issue. So like Stanton's got very many knee issues has dealt with calf and hamstring um, and groin, I believe in the past. So there's a lot more warning signs there. If there is any inclination that Giancarlo Stanton's dealing with anything, I don't even know why you start him. I don't even know why you pinch hit him on the Thursday in that first game against the Astros when you're trying to give him time off. And Saturday was the most inexplicable. I don't know why in the world he's pinch hitting on that day. It was Saturday, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why you're doing that when you think something might be wrong. And then I don't know what the discourse is. You saying Sunday, oh, it's just, you know, it's nothing where it's maintenance. And then Tuesday comes and it's, oh, yeah, I could be in the starting lineup tonight. And then it's, oh, actually, I might be out for three weeks. Yeah. Um, so it's more of the I don't know who's I don't know if there's lying going on. I don't know if there's actually a confusion when it comes to the diagnosis on whatever is whatever the injury is or whatever um, the doctors are seeing or however John Carlos Stanton's feeling. But this is 2021 vibes where it was constant. Oh no, everything's fine. Everything's good. And then it's up oh, IL stint. You're actually, no, it's not. It's probably going to be two IL stints if we're being honest. Um, so naturally you want to, you know, you want to make the noise worse around this team, not playing great. Now having a couple of injury things is Luis Severino even picked up a baseball yet. They, he was supposed to pick up a baseball yesterday was the first day that he was, he went on the IL July 13th and he was supposed to go 14 straight days without throwing. He is going to he is going to really help this bullpen at some point. Yeah, but today's the fifth. Today's the 15th, folks. So, yeah, you want to compound the bad play with frustrating injury news. You got two very frustrating things, whether it was the player's fault or whether it was the team's fault. And then you're just like, why can't we just do one thing right? It's a simple thing. Someone's not feeling well. They're not playing. Why? Why are we pinch hitting somebody against the Orioles? Just try to win the game without them. You give give them the night off. Um, so it's, it, it just adds to the bad optics and it creates more bad vibes. And that's why people are in a bit, a little bit of a fit right now. Um, I'm not at that point yet. Uh, I'm not feeling great, but I'm not going to start yelling. Um, judge last night frustrated me to no end. He deserves a bad game every once in a while, but once again, spotlight against elite pitching and at like nobody had worse at bats than him last night. Nobody on the team had worse at bats against Max Scherzer than him last night. So you're pushing the buttons. The buttons keep getting pushed and then people are going to say shit that they don't mean, or people are going to say stuff that, um, you know, just comes to mind because the frustration's boiling over. And I think the John Carlos Stanton situation is something that people aren't realizing is actually making all of this a lot worse. And that's all people are. Some people are going to see like last night's yeah. game is going to be some people's only Aaron judge experience. That's why the narratives, you know, exist. I watched yeah. the subway series. He swung and missed the curveballs in the other batter's box seven times. Yeah, yeah. it was terrible. 
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. We obviously, sometimes when we're talking about this Yankee season, we go, why aren't they perfect anymore? They just lost two guys to injury. I miss when they were perfect. And I know that's, that's a whine and a complaint. But at the same time, the main reason I thought they were World Series favorites from mid-April through mid-June was because things were perfect. And the 2018 Red Sox got to the finish line with everything perfect and faced no adversity. I was like, I know adversity should be coming, but what if it doesn't? Like, what if it just doesn't? Like, sometimes championship teams just do not face adversity. And I was like, God, it would feel great if that's just what happened. And and this rough stretch that everybody keeps saying, you know, we're bound to experience. What if it just didn't happen? The Yankees are first in all offensive categories and first in all pitching categories. Like, why would things go off the rails? They're not, there's no like veneer here. They're number one in everything and all the nitty gritty. But sure enough, here comes the imperfect stretch. And luckily, again, before the deadline, not after it. Luckily. Maybe after it as well. I don't know. But it's certainly coming with time on the clock for the Yankees to add pieces. And they've already added one. And I think they'll add more. Now, who do you have your eyes on as the deadline approaches? I think my answer to this question is is different now than it was last night. Because uh, Ben Intendi, and I played devil's advocate when his vaccination status came out, I said, are we sure that rules the Yankees out? Are we positive? Like they play one series in Toronto. They play yeah. maximum one playoff series against Toronto. And those games are going to be, you know, three will be hosted in a best of five at Yankee stadium. So that's five games. That Andrew Penitenti couldn't play. And if the price drops and they want to use their chips on a high profile pitcher, then this is an opportunity for them to upgrade the outfield. Now, Andrew Benintendi is apparently getting vaccinated. The blue Jays were after Andrew Benintendi in case there wasn't enough evidence that he plans on getting vaccinated. 
call me uh, simple, a simple man, but I don't think the Blue Jays are dumb enough that they were going to trade assets for Andrew Benintendi. Then he shows up and he's like, I can't play in the city. And they're like, oh, man. <laughs> no. No. Come on. Oh, we got bamboozled. What a foo-for-all. No, he, he would have played in Toronto. He's going to play for us here. I think we've solved that issue. But before they actually, you know, they, they were supposed to be serious contenders for Benintendi. Mark Feinstein was saying, I still didn't believe that. I thought their outfield help was going to be David Peralta. I was pretty confident they were going to do it. I thought that was a sneak place for them to get outfield pop. Not going to happen anymore. Probably. Uh, they, they've got their uh, fourth outfielder rotating type. If they get another outfielder, it'll be Juan Soto. They are probably not going to get Juan Soto. So it's it's pitching and relief pitching. I think, like Robert Murray said on the pod the other day, it's the Cubs relievers. It's not David Robertson. It's Michael Gibbons. It's F. Ross, uh, you know, nasty and inducing soft contact. I like both those guys. It's the Tigers relievers. Michael Fulmer I've liked all year. Uh, especially if you need a setup man. He's not Michael King, but he's a Haas. He's someone who can go multiple innings. Uh, Andrew Chafin, also uh, on a one-year deal, not vaccinated, so you can't pitch him in Toronto. But he's been fantastic at limiting soft contact this year. There's a ton of re- – there are a couple really controllable guys. Uh, Alex Lang and Will Vest in the Tigers bullpen who've been really good with good metrics this year. They're controllable through 2027 – and a couple of weeks ago, I was like, hey, it'd be nice. But, you know, nobody ever trades anyone who's controllable through 2027. But the Tigers were thinking about trading Tarek Skubal, who's controllable through 2026. So you can't rule that out either. Um, I think starting pitching, it starts and ends with Castillo and Jose Quintana. There's nobody else I want. And get both. Don't get just one. Uh, and bullpen, I do think it's the Cubs and the Tigers. But what say you? Is there anybody else you have your eyes on here? I'm just wondering, because, you know, the obvious. Benintendi was the first, like, Eh, no, Gallo last year was fairly obvious, but rarely do the Yankees make the obvious trade at the deadline that moves the needle for everything. They're involved in many talks. They hardly come out with the crown jewel. They hardly come out with the guy the or a set of guys that have been rumored around them for a, a long while. So I'm looking at the NL West a little bit. Um, you mentioned the D-backs. I'm not going to rule them out, but they're like kind of hovering. Mm-hmm. 500 ish. So I don't know if they're going to fully, you know, sell some of these assets um, when they can, you know, maybe build upon it next year. Um, I, I don't know. I'm also not fully enamored with them. Who's getting me Daniel Barr to the Rockies. Yep. Someone uh, I, I didn't see who just reported. It was a Rockies guy um, just said that they are considering shopping him. He's their closer high leverage dude. Former Red Sox would be another great narrative to have a former Red Sox help us uh, make a run here. Um, dominating this year, 1.91 ERA, uh, 3.55 FIP, but once again, playing in course field. So kind of, uh, kind of elevated, uh, you'd think, um, 21 saves, solid 1.04 whip. I like that. You get that in the bullpen, you mix and match him and clay Holmes in the back end because they both have closing experience. They could both handle very tough parts of the lineup. They could both handle the ninth inning safe situation, so on and so forth. Don't know what that would cost. He's on an expiring deals rental makes it a little bit more attractive. So um, not a name you've heard often, but a name they could swoop in and, and pick up. Giants is another one. 48 and 50. They lost seven in a row out of the break. Just got swept by the D-backs. Um, report dropped today that they are not considering selling as of now. I don't know what they think is going to change in the next four days. They have four games before 
the trade deadline. Three of them are against the, the red hot Cubs um, who have won five in a row out of the break. Um, and, then they have won against, and then one against the Dodgers who the Dodgers started this snowball for them by sweeping them four games out of the break. Um, I'm looking at Rodon who has been an obvious one, but is certainly number two esque. I think maybe we're overlooking the fact that Luis Castillo is very much not the only number two out there. Um, I think Carlos Rodon's a, a very good option. Um, and then you have Mike Yastrzemski. Uh, call me crazy. Um, I don't know what we're doing with Aaron Hicks, man. I really don't. I'm still mm-hmm. confused about that. I don't know if he's a part of the lineup. Um, his average play seems to be enamoring some people. Um, uh, this is more so just what's kind of expected of him. If that the OBP is impressive, um, slugging's way down. Um, d- do you want Aaron Hicks? Uh, walking a ton for you. I, I do you want, I don't know. I want a more versatile batter. I want a better fielder. Mike Yastrzemski plays a solid center field. Um, and he's kind of a versatile bat. He's got a decent amount of power. Um, he can hit for average when he's not in, I guess a little bit, I think he's in a little bit of a slump right now, or he's just like not having that, that great of a year. Um, but he's controllable for the next three years. And 230, his career average is 250, hit 297 in the shortened season and 272 in his rookie year. So the potential is there, above average OPS plus every single year he's been in the major leagues, Um, 20-plus home run power. Um, Aaron Hicks' power has been fully zapped. He has six homers. I know Mike Yastrzemski doesn't have many more, but he has nine um, with uh, 20 doubles uh, compared to Hicks' five doubles. Um, So you see the clear difference there. I don't know if the Giants would be willing to do this, um, I just don't understand why someone who is about to turn 32 years old um, is going to be part of their plans when they have other very old players like Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, and Evan Longoria, um, who they need to they need to kind of they need to switch this out. The Giants, this is not the era for the Giants. The 107 season last year was great. This yeah. is not the answer. I think they benefited from a lot of analytics bouncing on their side and a lot of um, overachieving seasons from veterans who were kind of dead in the water for a few years. Um, so I wonder what the Yankees might be able to offer here. Um, if it's an overpay, definitely not. But, hey, you get a veteran on a controllable deal um, who plays solid defense, can also play left field, has played right field too, um, and uh, hits from the left side of the plate. It's just a plus. So I don't know what they're thinking. Once again, I don't know what the plan with Aaron Hicks is. So I, I'm not going to fully rule out another outfielder, especially a center fielder. Um, and then relievers. I think Miami's got a bunch. We talked at length about this. Tanner Scott, I think there's stuff the pitching staff can fix there. Anthony Bass, he's been just good. So I don't know if there would be any transitional stuff there. Tanner Scott's also pitched in the AL East many years with Baltimore. Uh, left-handed pitcher as well. Um, so I think those are some others that we have to look out for. Uh, but to tell you the truth, I'm stumped on what the Yankees are going to do. I don't know if they're going to pay the full price for Castillo. I don't know what the fallback options otherwise are. Um, now that Ben Intendi's here, unless the Yankees are going with a full on cutthroat plan of, like I said, Soto and right and surrounding all those assets, judge and center and Ben Intendi and left, and then kind of reapportioning things after the season. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but need a number two, need one or two relievers, and I, I'd be fine with another outfielder too. Yeah, I think it's Castillo, Quintana, and one reliever. I hope. I hope. Castillo is really important. As scary yeah. as pitching trades are, as boom or bust as pitching trades can be, 
He's really important. And if he stays healthy, he comes with another year. Um, I, I do love Bard. Obviously, Bard is a closer. Uh, Bard is a little volatile. Bard is somebody who will walk people, but also whiff them with a disgusting slider. He is a comeback player of the year. Unfortunately, that means there was a point in time when he had completely lost it, when he was basically out of baseball. But I think Bard's an electric option. I think there are safer guys who induce soft contact. However, what was Michael King, right? Electric, inning eraser, a guy who could go multiple innings. That's why like a converted starter like Michael Fulmer, who could maybe go two, who dots that hard fastball, who's, you know, somebody who he's not like King in that he whiffs people, he, he pitches to contact, etc. But that still stands out to me. Tanner Scott's hilarious. His numbers are crazy. He struck out yeah. 59 guys in 41 innings. His metrics are absurd, except for the walk rate where he is the literal worst in baseball. He walks everybody like Clay Holmes did last year. Keep an eye on it. I mean, it's hard not to be encouraged when you look at the underlying stats, but there's a reason he went from the Orioles to the Marlins earlier this season, and the Orioles have a great bullpen, and yeah. they knew exactly who to get rid of. So, grain of salt there. Andrew Benintendi, welcome to the New York Yankees. So at the very least, we can speculate all we want. That is done. He showed up in the Bronx a couple of minutes ago, got a little goatee. Maybe we don't know what clean shaven means. Maybe we're letting him have a little goatee. Not sure. Uh, against the Yankees career, 284, 353 OBP, 468 slugging, 821 OPS, and a lot of that damage done at Yankee Stadium. Loves that right field against the Houston Astros. A lot of people are talking. Many people are saying only a 653 OPS, 254 average. We'll see. We'll see. Yankees hit 151 as a team against Houston. <laughs> So Ben and Teddy's had a lot of big moments against Houston, including uh, the overlays of, of his offensive output over the Houston stadium. Pretty impressive. He's someone, let's say you got a Justin Verlander going, let's say everybody's striking out. He's putting bat on ball. There are plenty of reasons to be excited. And even if you're not confident, they're going to get Luis Castillo. They're going to get something and they're going to damn well try to do it. Peraza, Waldachuk, Medina, it's on the table for you, Cincinnati. If you're interested, you give us a call. Okay, we'll talk to you on Tuesday. That is it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review. Drop us a mailbag question. Hey, if you got one, if you got trade deadline questions, it's coming up fast. We are going to be live again on Monday, live every Monday and Thursday, YouTube, 2 o'clock Eastern time. Maybe we'll go live for the deadline. We will see when things are hitting. We're not going to be live for the deadline if the Yankees aren't going to do anything again. We've learned that lesson well. We tried so hard to go live for the deadline 2020. We were like, this will be such a fun podcast. It's one of the worst podcasts ever. It, 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 they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. We were mad they didn't get Archie Bradley. Like, that's what a dark time 2020 was for everybody. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm, I'm in lockdown. There's a pandemic. I can't see my family. At least trade for Archie Bradley. You couldn't even do that. Uh, sad re-listen. Don't do it. But We'll see what needs to be done this deadline. We'll see where the chips fall. Uh, usually it takes one big trade to break the dam. And guess who broke the dam? The Yankees. You got Andrew Benintendi. So they started it. Who finishes it? Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. I'm Thomas Carinante. Where can the people find you? At Tommy's underscore takes. You can also find us, our bylines at yanksgoyard.com. Uh, plenty of trade deadline content there. We're having a good time. Uh, Going to be absolutely loaded until Tuesday at 6 o'clock. Um, talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Folks, enjoy your damn weekend facing the Royals. 
maybe get back on track, get a little hot before the deadline, give us some good news. I want another trade over the weekend, and then I want to blow the lid off on Tuesday at like 5.50 p.m. That's going to be sick. Going to be sick. Nice to be home. It's nice to be home. We'll see what happens. Deadline coming. It's the best time of year. And don't you leave us either. It's the best time of year for all of us. We'll see you on Monday. All right, you guys going to have Mr. Lyle for a little bit, all right? Okay. Can you hear me? Oh. Perfect. All right, you're going to sing? No. <laughs> all right, so who's got the first question right here? Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to get your perspective on what this community has meant to you. I know it's very important to you to describe what the feeling around this organization and this state has meant to you. Well, I think it's just, it was more of a happening when we started here. I mean, uh, we had a little trouble getting the ballpark, had a little trouble getting through some obstacles and things like that but once we got started i think about mid of the second year the fans were absolutely in love with all the ball players because they had access to them and the ball play we had uh, some host families too which i don't know how many of those are around anymore but uh as far as my i mean today i went over to the shopping center over there and i think I can't even tell you how many people said, hey, Spark, how you doing? You know, I mean, I can walk around Pennsylvania with my teeth out and nobody knows who I am. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they just call me bro. <laughs> huh? Your name's on your shirt. That's why they know. Well, I walk like this. No, that's for me anyhow, by the way. So I know who I am. <laughs> nice and loud. Nick Nielsen with Fireside Yankees, Spark, and thanks for answering your questions. Um, obviously, a lot has changed in baseball since you pitched, of course. What would you say has been one constant that has kind of remained in the past, like, 50 years in the league? You're always going to get hit. <laughs> one of the things that irks me is that in the modern day of the 100-mile-an-hour fastball and all that kind of stuff, I mean, these guys are giving up... Uh, home runs and losing games because they're just rearing back and throwing. I've never seen so many balls in the last couple years. And I'm not saying these guys aren't good. I'm not saying, but when they lose games, they lose, lose them in a dumb way. I mean, uh, they, the kid last night from, I forget what game I was watching now, I think the Padres was breezing along. All of a sudden you just threw two 99 mile an hour fastballs right down the the doo-doo, and uh, he's down to nothing, just like that. You know, these guys have been facing 97, 96 mile an hour fastballs for forever. You know, Nolan Ryan threw that hard, Sam McDowell threw that hard. Just we all thought they were freaks. <laughs> so, you know, but uh, that, that's the one, the one thing nice. They're just they're just rearing back and throwing, and not worrying where where they want to put the ball. Then you, that's why I love to watch Wainwright pitch. He just carves them up. You know, they, they, don't, they walk back and it, I, I think they felt the same way when they faced me. I think everybody, if I struck them out, they hit into a double play, whatever the case is, they walk back to the dugout going, I know I can hit that son of a bitch. You know? <laughs> I just know I can get him, which is what I wanted. So, yes, sir. Well, I'm in therapy for the cake, so I left that out, you know. <laughs> I didn't want to start all over again.
No, I, I, I really, I haven't celebrated my birthday because it's always in baseball season. I'm always away from home, so we'll do it somewhere down the line. No, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Hi, Sparky Adam Weiner from Yanks Go Yard. You are one of the first iconic Yankees who started with the Red Sox. Now, <laughs> I know. Does that make you really want to stick it to them during the late 70s portion of that rivalry? No, no, not really. I mean, I watched that rivalry grow and uh you know i've always uh, respected the red sox because they're the ones that brought me to the big leagues and uh you know it it, it was just one of those things dick williams was the manager and you know when i got there he uh he told me i had two weeks to prove myself and i was there for four days and i didn't even warm up I, uh oh this is going to be not going to be easy you know but uh you know, once I got out there and I, uh, a, a lot of, you know, when I get fan mail, people ask me when they send my rookie card, which is 1969, how's come your rookie cards 1969 when you were in the big leagues in 67? Well, because the photographers never showed up until late in spring training, you know, when everybody took their picture like this, you know, and so, from what I understand is they couldn't make their mind up if I'm going to make the club by that time. So that's, they didn't take my picture, so I guess that means, you know, so be it. A lots of money. <laughs> I think the year I won the Cy Young Award, I was making 42000 <laughs> You know how much I made my first year? 5,200. I had to borrow 5,000 to go to spring to go to spring training the following year. <laughs> I was a big fan of commercial credit, let me tell you. But uh, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> no, I, I'd say hey, they're they're they keep getting bigger, stronger, and and all this and that. And I I think the the injuries are a little bit more prevalent now because they do do all these things, you know. I know when I was still managing here that uh, the players, the new, newer players were just, they didn't think about anything else but the weight room and taking all those, whatever those things are that they carry with them that, uh, out there to, to work out with. I, I told them, I said, hey, if you spend as much time on your craft as you do lifting weights and working out and all this other stuff, you probably better yourself. So I think that that's, that's one of the things. And I think the, the, the split finger has a lot to do with it too. But uh, it's, it's just the enormous mile per hour that they're, that they're getting now. But we, we oh, I, I know. I mean, what's it gonna be next year? You know, we had, there was a guy in the minor leagues when I was in the minor, by the name of Steve Delkowski. You can probably Google that name. And supposedly he threw uh, 110 something, but they didn't have radar guns back then. So the scouts could actually time your mile per hour by a stopwatch. And it, they said it took them so long to get one where they needed to get it that he was only throwing 105 by that time. So the stories are long, but I did see this guy pitch, and I got to tell you, I never saw anything like it in my life. And whatever they want to say he was throwing, I'll agree with. But he also 
through one right there. And the next one, and I am not lying, if he was pitching here, he would have thrown it right out of the top of the ballpark. That's why he never made the big leagues. He couldn't, you never know where he was going to throw it, and here did he. Hey, we got something going on over here. Mickey Stanley, Detroit Tigers. Couldn't get him out. 260 hitter. I used to tell him, I said, you know, you'd be hitting 210 if it wasn't for me. <laughs> and he went, he never really took me deep. But uh, he is with the Tigers center field. He would hit one between uh, short and third over everybody's head, opposite field. It didn't matter. I mean, I could have just went like that. And, it wouldn't have mattered. Well, it, it was something that, uh, you know, I had walked away on my own in 1982 and uh, was doing things. I was making a decent living. And... Uh, John Vukovic and I were very good friends, and he was uh, knew Mr. Califer very well. So I'm trying to buy a truck. I can't get anybody. Everybody thinks I got a million dollars down there. So he sends me up here, and I come up, and Stephen really didn't have the truck that I wanted, so I had to order it. So when I went back, my truck came in. He said, I want you to sign two contracts today. I said, two? I, why? What'd I do? Get a, a truck with a trailer? Uh, what'd I get? And he says, he says, I just bought a baseball club. Now, the reason that I, I never looked to be a ma managing a baseball team, I, I kind of stayed away from baseball after I got out. And uh, not for any particular reason, but uh, when he told me that they were forming this league because the guys from what, 25 to 31, somewhere in that range, I'll put it there. If they if they got released from the big leagues, triple, whatever, they just went home. They didn't have anywhere to play. They're not going to go to the beer league and make it back to, you know, playing ball. Professionals. That's really one of the big reasons why I took that job. And we put, what, 500 back? It, it was incredible, and these guys all knew how to play. There was no, you didn't have to teach them. We had a couple guys that had bad footwork or something like that, but, uh, you know, they came here and they knew this was their second chance to get back there, and, I mean, they went out there and played their hearts out, and we were very successful, very successful, and I loved every one of them. I, I really did. I, I uh I had such a ball with them, and just, uh, I wasn't your normal manager either, you know. I, my first, I think the first thing I did as a manager was, I am never taking infield again. And we didn't. They said, so what are you guys doing? We're getting ready for infield. Oh, no, we don't have that here. <laughs> and I think at the end of my tenure, 
I think Butch Hobson was the only one in the league that still took. I just thought it was a waste of a clean shirt, really. I'm going to grab some water really quick. Yeah. We'll go in the back. All right. Talk loud because I, I really can't hear you. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Well, back in, just before me, the relievers were starters that couldn't start anymore. So the reputation wasn't good. You know, they were already half washed up, so to speak. And, uh, but you always had one or two that came to the cream of the crop there out in the bullpen, but never got any recognition. And uh, I think the best thing that happened to the relievers is pitching that ninth inning. I mean, oh my God. I mean, the longevity that they can have by coming in with nobody on base. I don't remember ever coming in with nobody. And this is no kidding. The phone used to ring and they would say, if so-and-so and so-and-so get on, you're going to face so-and-so. So I knew two guys are going to be on there when I came. So, uh, but that I think is a big, really good change. Now, what happened? That has trickled down. You got a guy for the sixth inning now. Now, maybe you guys know this, but I actually heard that they were really <laughs> talking about if a starter went four and two thirds, he would get the win. Did you hear that at all? You did. Okay, thank you. Because when I tell people that, they said, "Oh, that can't be." <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> so you got guys for the fifth, the sixth, the seventh who are groomed for that specific. Now, Tidrow usually was before me back in the day, and he would go in anywhere from the first to the fifth, and I would go in from the sixth on. Or, of course, Billy put me in on the fourth one day, but I, I, did, I dissociate myself from that. <laughs> but I think that's the biggest thing, and it makes it easier on everybody. And, and I think it's easier to um, to know what your job is. You know, that was a big problem too there back in the day because when the phone rang, you know, every like everybody jump up and start. <laughs> Nobody knew who was going in. You know, I was the only one that didn't exercise, and I was the one that went in. Oh, I don't know. I think um, then the third baseman from the Dodgers, he had a beard, but he had a pretty good, uh, uh, huh? Yeah. Outside of him, I can't say anybody really had one like this. They, they usually cut the ends off of it or whatever. I grew it because um, when I was dating my wife, she told me uh, I need to grow a mustache because my nose is way too big. So, now look at the fucking thing. <laughs> okay. Nice and loud. 
on the hitter from my standpoint that guy, that guy has to hit the ball I mean if I one of my favorites was coming in with bases loaded because now that guy's up there I mean what's he thinking he's got to he's got to hit the first damn thing that looks good to him and it's my job not to make any of those pitches look good to him you know it's it's just a I don't think there's any uh, more pressure on I, I know they talk, the, the, um, the announcers talk a lot about the pressure that's on everybody out there, but uh, to be honest, I mean, we were in three World Series and I never heard anybody talk about pressure. Seriously. We just didn't talk about it. It's a, it's a game that we're playing professionally here and we all know what we're doing. We're pretty damn good at it or we wouldn't be there. You know, so I think... Uh, I think put that on yourself. But uh, some pitchers are going to pitch differently with guys on base, of course. You know, you can't give up a hit with two outs with a tie and run at second, stuff, things like that. But uh, hey, you just go out there and you do what you do best. That's why I only threw the slider. That was a, my best pitch. What am I going to use with an 80 mile an hour fastball, for Christ's sake? I'd be scared to death. <laughs> we'll do two more. Ready? Head. Yeah. We were talking before about the reliever world reversal now. You got guys from the sixth inning, seventh Yeah, yeah. Now the highest leverage guys for the eighth and ninth are typically reserved for the beginning. We see a lot of them struggle with split inning duty or multi inning duty, and you were someone who's always, so a lot of times, so high leverage players. Why do you think that changes? Well, I, I think the change happened because they felt that everybody was going to be stronger. That's where the pitch count came from and all that kind of stuff. Everybody was going to be stronger come uh, the dog days of August and September. And I mean, I don't know if there's any uh, statistics on that or not. But, uh, you know, it's, I, I think the split finger has a lot to do with it. Of course, the mile per hour. But... Like I say, these hitters, man, they've been hitting 97 mile an hour fastballs for a long time and they don't think anything about it. I mean, the first time I saw uh, our, uh, Chapman, I saw him live in Philadelphia. He came in and struck out, just blew the ball right by him, hit 100 a couple times. And the next inning he goes back out and gave up five runs because he <laughs> He's throwing the ball right there. These guys don't don't mess around. And I've always respected the hitters, always. And I think maybe these guys ought to think about that a little bit more instead of worrying about if they're going to hit the century mark uh, with the fastball down the middle.
I didn't even know those guys had a mustache. <laughs> Goose has got a good one. He's got the good. Thurman's, he was barely shaving. Catfish was barely shaving. So I guess it was me. <laughs> Pete Rose. And, I mean, they're, they're letting you bet on TV now during the game while the hitter's up. And they're giving them the odds. And well, I haven't heard a damn thing about Pete Rose. Why is he still sitting out there? Why? And there's been a lot of guys that have been overlooked too because they're all on the cusp. And, and I think the... Uh, the committee that after you put your five years in and you don't get any votes, you're out. I think sometimes they uh, vote sometimes for their friends other than what should be. But the Hall of Fame is the Hall of Fame. And as, as long as you gotta be voted in to get there, then it's gonna stay free and clear. Thank you guys, appreciate everything. Hey. All you guys do a good job with this stuff, too. Thank you. Thank you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.